I realized that our openings to these shows are the worst part. The openings. <laughs> yeah, we. Which this <sighs> this is it. By the way, we started the show now. But I I was listening to the last few episodes, uh-huh. and um, I think we're like the sleepiest when the show begins. Oh, hey, good morning. Yeah, so I was <laughs> starting to wonder if we should just cut everything out for the first twenty minutes of each episode and <laughs> and, and and fast forward people uh, into the part where we're actually excited about what we're talking about. It kind of makes sense. I mean, isn't that exactly how a photo shoot typically goes too? Oh, yeah, totally. I I use that line often. It's like the first twenty photos, the first two hours <laughs> yeah. are going to be thrown away. So don't even, don't even stress about it. Yeah. Don't stress. Don't, don't try to like make your, your blue still face just yet. Exactly. Well, and I was we're, telling we're you it. right before this started that I'm in a terrible space to be recording a podcast. I was just arguing with an airline for more than an hour, which is not the headspace you want to be in right before you, um, you know, want to be friendly <laughs> to the world. <laughs> I mean, we could I, we could like do a segment about shitty customer service, I guess. Yeah, like a, a segment about United Airlines and Expedia um, Ooh, not not God. being able to work together. Well, that that explains everything. You got the worst combo ever, right there. Oh, it really is, and it makes you it makes me not want to travel so often when it's this exact. Actually, traveling isn't very stressful for me, mm-hmm. but planning traveling is incredibly stressful. Yeah, I, I, I re- actually, I don't know. I think that it's all kind of stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. definitely agree that the that the planning is is absolutely the worst shit. <laughs> yeah, um, especially when like there's uh, clients. So this is all uh, like there's a series of trips happening in a row, and and like it's it's, it's work related, and so other people like it's I'm also accountable. And that makes it so much worse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, that's not, not what we're talking about today. What are we talking nope. about today? We're talking about shooting stock photography. Yeah, this is um, this will probably be an ongoing thing, I imagine, since it's what we know best. Yeah, and I do believe that um, probably the largest percentage of the people who are listening to us are involved in shooting stock photography in one form or another. Yeah, and so I they wonder. probably. I, I wish we had enough listeners to have a survey. Yeah. If you're out there, you should tweet us and and tell us what the main thing that you shoot is and use the hashtag cameras or whatever and, and, and tell us, do you shoot stock photos? Do you shoot wedding photos? Do you shoot portraits? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I'd like, we would like to know because then it informs us topics that are better for us to focus on. Yeah. And if you missed our introduction episode and you don't know, maybe this is the fr- this could be their first episode. Mm-hmm. And you don't know who we are. How far? We're, we're like getting in there too. We're a few episodes in now. And I'm Tyler. <laughs> and this is Cameron. And we we work together at a stock photo agency. Um, that's kind of how we know each other is we work at Stocksy. Mm-hmm. So the, the yeah, the backstory here is we've both shot stock photography at, at different places for a really long time. And we've just been on the selling end and we've worked as staff inside of stock photo places. So we've really seen a lot of different sides and we've seen big changes in the industry. Mm -hmm. I think we both got on during a really big change, which was the micro stock golden age, right? Yeah, That's kind of what we came up through, I'd say. 
Yeah, which is, I mean, I, I think that you could call it a, a, a you could call it a golden age, but I think that some people would call it something quite different. Well, that's well, it's the golden age for Microstock <laughs> and <laughs> the um, depression for. <laughs> Yeah, for other types of photography, you know, it depends where where you where you were in the market as this became the trend. Yeah, and I think that you know, the, there's some air to clear in that because you know, I think that a lot of the uh, established photographers that were doing stock really got angry about it, and I think that you know, like it's one of those things that's just like, you know, if you if you think that you know your CD collection is going to last forever. You know, now you know that, you know, mm-hmm. like things like this come and go and all industries change and um, that's a constant and that's something that you should embrace, you know. And so like if you see something changing, it might be scary because, it, you know, the model might look impossible. Um, but if you're clever and smart, then there's always a way to to find out how to make it work for you in a way that might even be better than the way that you knew before. Well, and but- yeah, but, but, but. Well, what and? I've often <laughs> thought about was that um, at stock photography existing at all was also a huge disruption. Oh, totally. Um, you, you know, pre-taken photos that a company can just show up and drop a few, a relatively small amount of money without getting any custom work done, and they that's good enough they're just going to take from that catalog. But before that, Somebody mentioned this on a previous episode the, that like when camera prices went down, you know, the Kodak Brownie comes out and, oh, Chris said this mm-hmm. and that like uh, um, as uh, the price of taking photos drops, it's going to turn professionals into bums and, um, you know, they'll be out on the street because there's no work because the, the there's 35 millimeter cameras now. Mm-hmm. And I think this this is a pattern. This has happened many times. And I think that in the the long um, if you take the long view of all of this, it's just going to be a uh, blip in one of the many times that uh, dr- dropping costs and uh, lowering barriers to entry and all sorts of things have just completely shifted the landscape. And I don't know, I've, I've, I've always found it interesting how angry or surprised people get about that when it's, it just, it's happened so many times. Yeah, I think that it's, um, I mean, if you're a fan of history at all, like, you should be expecting these kinds of things all the time, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that um, I would argue that the onset of Microstock uh, did a lot of really great things for for photography in general. And I think that it also, I think that what it did is it separated a lot of, you know, what expectations were in photography especially with what it meant to be a professional. Um, you know what? A few minutes ago we said this is going to be the basics of um, stock photography. Mm-hmm. Let's just call this episode, let's just talk about the like the philosophy of, of stock photography. Because <laughs> there is so much to say about it. And just to talk about like um, where it came from and where it's going and like, mm-hmm. you know, how it, how it feels, how the industry's felt. I mean, honestly, this this could have just been a stock photography podcast. Like there's so much to say about it. And there's, um, there's many forums on the topic that we spend a lot of time in and, uh, you know, people really care about it. And what, what I think we were about to touch on is that, uh, microstock as well. Um, a huge benefit is opening it up, opening up the, 
the possibility of being a professional photographer to thousands and thousands of hobbyists. And I know right. that sounds awful to people that were professionals at the, at the time that, you know, well, people like you and I entered the market. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it was a nightmare, but it's really great for so many people. It's mm-hmm. allowed them to turn something they never imagined um, being able to make any money off of into, you know, at least a part-time gig and for many people full-time or, you know, maybe it just pays for their gear or, um, but there's so many people that are able to do it now that, um, couldn't have or wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, totally. And I think that, you know, there's a, a, obviously a lot of value in the idea of crowdsourcing. Um, you know, I think that that's, that's just something that we've learned in the digital age in general. And, you know, uh, Microstock is a great example of how it, it can work. Um, you know, obviously it has a lot of pitfalls as well. You know, like we, we watched Microstock turn, you know, come or start in a place where it was, you know, kind of ridiculous, you know, I mean, if you look at the, at the photos that it all, that kind of got the thing off the ground, you know, they were by no means like professional quality photos. And that was the point is, you know, they were, they were just simple photos that, that, designers were sharing between one another uh, free of cost. Well, or at if least you're just that talking, was the, that yeah, that model. Yeah. yeah, that's right. But if you're just talking about um, the origin of microstock, it also felt like that with stock photos. I mean, if you look at older stock photo catalogs, mm-hmm. a lot of it was terrible. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of junk and it was, it was priced very high as well. Like there was, a, you know, mediocrity was doing very well for a while. Yeah, it sure was. Even and before. it's really interesting that you that you mentioned that because you know that actually triggers a memory where I remember seeing um, PhotoDisc, yeah, you know, yeah. way, 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 way back, you know, before iStock was a thing, and you know that was you know one of the first things that I had seen, you know, in relation to stock photography because it hadn't it was a concept that was like not even on my radar at all, but a friend of mine had to use it all the time, and so he had you know, some, some photo disc stuff. And, and, you know, like I actually took a look at it just to get an idea of what that world was all about. And I remember even then just thinking like, man, this is a, this is a lot of crap, you know, but, and it was, and it seemed really kind of like random and cliche, just a lot of like really like simple ideas about how things are communicated. And, you know, I think that the um, onset of Microstock helped us, kind of get a lot farther in mm-hmm. where those those concepts could go. And what it did is that pressure increased everywhere. So now like people who do advertising and editorial and people who do mid-stock or, or higher, they, you know, they had to they had to up their game too. Because now all these, you know, so-called hobbyists are giving them a run for their money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of a sudden people who would have never otherwise even been given the opportunity were able to make a living doing this stuff. And, um, you know, and arguably it was, um, you know, a heck of a lot better than what had existed before it. So, you know, not a lot to be angry about, in my opinion. Well, yeah. And there was also something that was happening where the, what amateur looked like started really shifting. Obviously, the timing of all of this completely coincided with the digital, the digital revolution <laughs> of um, uh, DSLRs becoming commonplace and affordable, and that you could take 
um, just at an image quality level, you could take as good of a photo on a much more affordable camera and you could take thousands of them without Mm -hmm. the cost of film or, um, the, the cost of learning as well, you know, like, uh, when, when, when I was first starting, um, I was shooting a lot of film and paying for every role and mm-hmm. uh, I got a job at a photo lab so it would be cheaper just so I could shoot more and learn faster. Cause it takes that long to know the results of, of what you're doing. And in the digital age, it just, it, it is much faster to, to learn the same lessons to you make your mistakes faster. And all of this was happening as the internet's picking up and as bandwidth costs are going down. And like, it was really just a perfect storm of like the distribution model was there. The um, creation technology was there and everything was happening at once. And for anybody to have looked at maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm just like about to defend, maybe I'm still defensive about uh, iStock photo after all these years, but like, there's a lot of mm-hmm. people that are like, iStock is ruining the, the photo agent, uh, sort of the photo industry. And, um, which uh, we joked about making t-shirts that said that because we heard it so often. <laughs> and it was just like, if this, this was going to happen, you yeah. can't put cheap cameras in everybody's hands and make distribution almost free and not expect everybody to take advantage of it. Like, right. This, this is what happens. Like you should, you should take advantage of it. Yeah. Um, you know, like, uh, stupid not to yeah, exactly. I have so mm-hmm. I have so many different points I want to. I'm like making notes as we go. I, all of a sudden, oh, I'm good. like, oh, I forgot <laughs> how many things I had to say about this. There's one that earlier you threw the word crowdsourcing in there, mm-hmm. which uh, was coined by uh, Wired writer Jeff Howe, mm-hmm. and it just reminded me of an anecdote that maybe doesn't have a point. But he was hanging out with us at the iStock offices for a while and wrote a book. What's the book called? Is it called Crowdsourcing? Um. He came up with the word and then he wrote a book about it. And there's interviews with Bruce in there. And like he came with us to New York. And I've always wondered about this, but there's a quote he's quoting an anonymous iStock photographer in his book that I think is me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I am so certain. Yeah, it's just called crowdsourcing. And I'm so <laughs> certain that I said that to him. But yeah, he's um uh he was a really great guy. And it was just a it was like a fun time. Like the word had just come up and then the guy that invented this word that everybody's using for this phenomenon is at iStock photo because it was leading the way, you know, mm-hmm. it was in, in kind of um, creating an economy around it as well. And not just um, having people put all this work into it, not to get anything back, but they're making money off of it, which is yep. so exciting. Um, yeah. It was a really, it was a fun time. I mean, I really, it was a golden age for anybody that was, involved. And maybe we're still, maybe we're still in another golden age. Like things, things are changing and they're different than they were, but like there's, there's interesting things happening now, but I don't know. I don't know. I did that. I knew that that anecdote had no, uh, no, no end, point. no end. <laughs> so the end. Well, um, okay. I think that, that it does bring you to an interesting place though, because you know, you know, where I stock left off was, you know, a false promise sort of, you know, I think that that's, that's the perception amongst a lot of the people who are involved mm-hmm. is that, um, you know, there was this thing that we were, this feeling that we were building something together and that everybody was reaping the war- reward. Yeah. And then uh, big business came in and changed that. And, um, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're taking kind of an, you know, just looking at it from the surface, it, it kind of looks like big business came in and, and ruined a good thing. Mm-hmm. And ruined itself in the process. 
Well, and I, I, so I also worked for Getty afterwards. So like I, I definitely saw it and I think you're exactly right that that's, that, that's actually what people would really look at as the golden age is when it was independent. Yep. Um, but I don't know, maybe this only makes sense to people that were, that were really there. Um, in, in the broader context, like I, get, you can, you can think what you want about Getty, but they've also done in, in interesting things for the industry. And I know people that have, have worked there that have really enjoyed it and it's opened up amazing doors and having also having a big company lets you do amazing stuff. Like, have you seen, have you ever seen their, the behind the scenes of their Olympics coverage? No, they, no. they get exclusive access to the Olympics and do the most incredible coverage of it. They're able to, you know, rig the pools with cameras and do like overheads of all the events. And like, they, they really have amazing placement and it's because they're enormous. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if you had dozens of independents there, it would, it'd be a different kind of challenge. But, um, but yeah, yeah, there was a very clear, um, shift once, once iStock photo became part of that, that bigger, uh, bigger entity. It wasn't as bad as Veer though. So Veer, who they haven't changed much lately, but they, they've always been a really beautiful design site. They sell fonts and photos and had their own aesthetic for a really long time. And they were purchased mm -hmm. by Corbis. Right. And they basically just stripped the office. They, um, they really just kind of hauled it out and it just became a brand name. And, um, you know, I think, I think iStock survived a little better than that. Well, yeah, but, at least it had a nice run. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm sure there's just plenty of people still enjoying themselves there. Just, just cause yeah. we're not there. doesn't mean it's not fun for someone. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I sent, I sent you an article. Did you open it? Um, uh, <laughs> send it again. I'll start describing it, uh, as you look for it. It's, it's in your Skype window there, but, okay. um, right. for everyone else, uh, take a look at the show notes, which you'll find at stellman.com slash cameras or whatever slash what number is this? 12. 12. And, uh, yeah, th this is about Calgary's history in stock photography, which I don't know. I'm sure most people don't know because most people probably don't even know where Calgary is, but we are in Alberta, Canada. And, um, this, this article tracks the history of that many of the most influential stock photo companies were, were founded in, in Calgary. It was amazing. Um, starting with image club, um, iWire, iStock photo. And, uh, so Getty also bought iWire. Um, and then like people started splitting from companies as they were purchased and, and, and starting like iStock photo and Veer. And, um, then still f from there later, there is now, you know, Stocksy was a kind of another seed coming out of iStock, which is now in Victoria. But, uh, and then the people from Veer are now doing hero images and dissolve video. Um, but, and that's still in Calgary and it's so bizarre and so interesting to me because there's not a big photo community in Calgary, let's say like not a lot of, not, not more photographers than most cities, but mm -hmm. stock photography as a business has really a lot of it has come out of this smallish Canadian city. It's really fascinating. Actually, I didn't know that. And yeah. It's, looking it's at crazy. this, it's, it's like, you know, it kind of makes me think that like Calgary was the, uh, the Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, in the, yeah. uh, in the, in the grunge scene. 
it's just it's bizarre. I had no idea. Yeah, it's it's it is really weird. And the iStock Photo office is still in Calgary. Um, it's, you know, it's shifting, but it's it's still based out of there. Um, hmm. And uh, yeah, so maybe I maybe all of these tangents I was jotting down all had dead ends. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you if anybody wants to go on a you know history of stock photography tour, you can um, go and see all the the buildings in Calgary. <laughs> Did, but I, you you never came to Calgary, right? Like during all the. No, I didn't. Or, no. no, I and, was, uh, while, during that time, I wasn't making enough money to justify such a thing. Right. Well, when did stock photos start? Like, how did it become a serious thing for you? What was the sort of transition of, you know, just getting beer money to <laughs> thinking about it as a career? Or Well, see, it, it actually, it started out, I was still um, shooting film and scanning my, my images. And so, like, each one took too long. So it was, you know... I, I tried to be very selective about what I did. And then, you know, a lot of those would get declined. So the, the whole thing just started off really slow for me. And, um, you know, I had uh, a single image that was um, from the astronomical clock in Prague. And uh, uh, still, I saw yeah. that once. Yeah. It's still a um, fairly strong image. Um, so it, it held up for a good long time and it sold quite a lot. And that was the first thing that I had that, that actually broke 100 downloads and and you know it really was the 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 thing to to scratch that itch for me did you get a little and flame I, icon over your th- uh, image thumbnail yes yes and it just it was exciting you know and so um you know i think that that was really what kind of pushed me into pursuing it more and so what i did is i um i ended up buying my first digital camera shortly after that cuz i realized that it was going to be easier to create photos for stock using digital. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, that <laughs> it's funny though, because I, now I'm thinking back to, to some of your earlier comments about how digital made it easier and sure it, it does, but I also had to relearn how to, to be a photographer. Mm-hmm. And I think that the first, you know, six months to a year, or maybe even two as a digital photographer are, you know, it's my dark period. Like I, I really, <laughs> really really hate what i was doing and like and now looking that, back you hate it that's what you're saying oh yes yes like mm-hmm. it's it's you know it's not something i'm proud of and um you know i think that that's that's a really important topic that i would like to talk about in this episode is is maintaining your identity as a photographer when you get into stock because mm-hmm. uh, it's really it's really easy to be you know swayed by the idea of making a living, you know, shooting simple concepts. And, you know, that's, it's really great if you can do that. But, you know, I I think that most people that grab a camera are not like inherently business people. I think that most people that grab Mm. a camera are inherently creative people. And they desire to make beautiful images that have subjects that mean something. Well, and, and you can see when people have that, you know, business first approach to it, um, which is sometimes can be a really good thing. Like there, there's, there's people I could name and would love to have on this show that treat it as a business first mm-hmm. and do a great job of it. But, um, there's other people that would sort of, um, you could tell they were like stockpiling random items from Walmart and then yeah. taking photos of all of them on white, mm-hmm. uh, and then all of them on black and then, uh, you know, all of them in a pile 
And um, there would just be thousands of photos that were just for, for virtually the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I the, mean, who it was not that? about photography. It was <laughs> no. about like it looked like it. Yeah, like a, it looked like a catalog for you know, like a bad Sears catalog. Yeah, and, not even. Yeah, exactly. Not even like a reasonable one. You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah. Like a very unreasonable shit catalog that nobody will ever appreciate except yeah. for to make fun of. Yeah. But, um, but, but, the, but those accounts, you know, like people were able to make money off of that. You couldn't, you, <laughs> unfortunately it worked and made for very weird collections because, mm-hmm. um, there's so many people doing it for the, for the, for the money. Yeah. And I think that that's an interesting thing also about the stock industry is that, um, when, when that was happening and that was like a, a big thing, you know, when everybody was shooting these, these really mundane things on white, um, you know, I think that it filled a need in the marketplace that is no longer there in my opinion. I, I might be wrong, but like when I'm looking around on the internet or in any publication, that is not what I see. I don't see anything like that anywhere. Well, and, I think you might want to put a... You that might be too broad of a statement because things that are on a white background mm-hmm. d- certainly never disappear. Like you can find them in any magazine. They it's just that they're isolated. You know, like it's they're used differently than maybe they were before. But um, but the point is, it's a very to me the the main point is that it's a very different kind of catalog. Like. That's yeah, not those photography. Are elements exactly instead of, instead of yes. photos. Exactly, so, it's not photography first. It's yeah, design elements first. Right. So w- that really which, like, needs to be in its own place. Right. Totally, and people need that. Like, mm-hmm. I get why designers need it, and it's just really different from uh, the way that we think of stock photography. Yes, or photography. Period. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's because, almost like it's like scans. Yeah, it is a lot like scan. I mean, you, if if you could, you may as well just throw it on a flatbed and let it rock, right? Because I mean, there's just, you know, that would actually be a lot less painful, in my opinion. Like, I don't right. know how anybody would could put through that much effort in in making these these types of photos. If you want to even call and, them that, these, you, these design you, elements. That's well, and you, if you don't know what we're referring to, this these aren't like well lit product photos. It's not even that they're poorly lit. It's that they're all <laughs> in a white box that is evenly lit from all sides. Mm-hmm. Like you can buy these on these light tents on eBay for fifty dollars, <laughs> and uh, and it'll just basically produce the exact same photo of every single object that you ever put in there. Yeah, then just go to a dollar store and buy all the cheap um, Chinese stuff that you can find. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, this should and, be yeah. This should be our like introduction to how to build a stock photography career. Step one: buy a light tent. <laughs> Step two: go to the dollar store <laughs> and stock up on generic, uh, non-name brand products. Right. Shoot all of them. Right. And then um, and then count your pennies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there's there's a brighter side to stock photography too. Maybe 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 you can talk in that direction. What's yeah, what's great about stock photos? That is totally the dark side. <laughs> That's totally the dark side. The bright side is that stock photography allows people like you and me and all the countless friends that we have that do this to pursue their passions in their career and make them living from it, doing essentially what they want to do. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like we, um, the best things that we capture as individuals are the subjects that we actually care about. Um, trying to shoot stuff that, that doesn't, um, uh, that you don't either, you don't know about or you don't understand completely is kind of a fruitless effort. You know, everybody has particular interests and that's where you should try and carve your niche. And, um, that to me is the, is the, is the bright side of stock photography is just being able to like do what I like to do. And have it like, and feel like good about it. Feel like I'm having a good time, and also at the same time, I'm providing like a useful service to to the public, in which they pay me for, and right. that's awesome. I a way, a way to to cover it a little is is that it was always a very hard pitch when I spoke to people in art school, and this baffled mm-hmm. me because I would talk to people that are doing assignments. Um, every week they're doing creative shoots with um, friends that look really cool and they're putting a ton of work into and they could be, they could effectively be paying for school <laughs> if they were able to, to, to do projects that they licensed later as well. Mm-hmm. Like, or, or just the creatives they're doing, maybe it's not for school, but like creatives that people are shooting anyway, if you are willing to license those things, like, that can be your career. You don't have to wait for somebody to come and give you permission to be a real photographer. You exactly. can go and start licensing that stuff right now. The the things that you just shot because you wanted it to be beautiful and you can turn those things into your income. And it's, I, I, I have no idea why it's always, well, no idea. I have a pretty good idea why it's been hard to sell a lot of people in art school on that. And I think it's because, the, the the their teachers generation um, was very unenthusiastic about this idea. Oh, and, yeah, uh, and heavily want to want to protect them from it. Yeah, totally. You know, it's actually kind so. of fascinating because um, I don't think that that was untrue when I was in school. I'm pretty sure that that mm-hmm. was still the case. Um, but now, um, we, this is kind of an amazing thing to me. But my uh, one of the professors at the at the school that I went to, which is the uh, Northern Virginia Community College. Um, you know, not a big deal, but it's still, it's a really great program that people can afford. And, uh, as, in terms of the local offerings, it was one of the, the best photo programs in, in even compared to, um, things like the Corcoran, you know, which it, it's, you know, that's a, an art school in DC that's very well known. Um, and you know, like I went there and like now I have, uh, this this one professor who I, I've kept in touch with, and she has asked me, she asked me last year to come and speak to a class about stock photography and mm-hmm. my my perspective on it. And I'm going to be going back again this year. Cool. And uh, yeah, and it's uh, you know it's it's there's a change there that that I can see. You know, I mean, she was involved in stock in the early early days, and I know that she was one of the, I believe that she was one of those that that probably you know felt a little bit dismayed or disgruntled about the way that it went, right. you know, but, but now she she realizes that, that, um, it's a different game and there are different opportunities and there's a lot mm-hmm. to be learned. And, and she thinks that it's important enough for her students that to have me come and actually address them about it. I think that's kind of fascinating. Yeah, totally. I should, uh, I should do that. I had some conversation with somebody at my school about that. I should really go, um, 
talk to them too. I mean, I, I would have loved to hear that message when I was in school. So, oh, me too. Yeah, because there was no, there was no talk about it. Like when I was, when I was getting my degree, there was no discussion of like stocks was basically described as this thing that you'll never get to do. Yeah. You know, they're, they would tell you like you have to have at least ten thousand quality, high quality slides of useful subjects. <laughs> that was like the, the huh. mantra, you know. And I was like, yeah. um, hmm. That sounds expensive to get into. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Cause like, I think it's going to be, it's, it has to be completely different. Like more people will be at, at teaching age will be aware of how well it can go. And um, I'd love to, to hear what, what students are, are, are hearing right now since I, um, I don't really have any friends that are currently in photo school. So. Yeah, my assumption is that they're not really hearing much, you know, still right. to this day. And that, you know, like I'm obviously my my sample size is is really infin- infinitely small. But um that's just a hunch because I think that most of the people who um who come into at least that come into our site at Stocksy, um a lot of these people have never had any experience with stock photography and they don't really know you know, what it is that they're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, they, 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 it's always kind of been, or at least in my perspective, it's always kind of been a learn as you go enterprise and yeah. pick up the pieces along the way and, you know, figure out how to make it work for you, which I think is also one of the best things about it is that you can tailor that to your own, you know, comfort, um, ability, all these things, like you figure out what you're capable of. It's likely that a lot of people that first come into stock photos, and so probably some number of people listening right now, only are aware of stock photography from what they've seen on landing pages. You know, so they go to shutterstock.com and they're like, oh, this is what stock photography is. But it's really different to be acquainted with it from a client's perspective. Mm-hmm. Because to a client, it's not about it's not about generic photos. Usually it's about timelines like being able to get things done really quickly mm-hmm. <laughs> or um also like they look for inspiration from stock photography like the what is popular in stock photos i think has a huge influence on what photography looks like in that generation because designers will often like they don't necessarily always search for um you know like i'm doing a dentist's catalog so i need a picture of a a 22-year-old girl with blonde hair, smiling, holding a toothbrush in one hand and toothpaste in the other. (laughs) They might just be like looking for, I need happiness. Mm -hmm. Like that's what my client is telling me to put on the front of this brochure is like, you know, young happiness. Mm -hmm. And that might be what their search terms are. And then they come across a photo of, you know, a puppy with a really big, cute smile on his face. And so then that's what they use. But like, it's, um, I think it can become like inspirational to the designer as well. Oh, when, yeah. When it's done well, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, that, that we have a, quite a lot of evidence to support that actually. Like yeah. um, just following Stocksy's Twitter feed is, is usually kind of interesting mm-hmm. to see those kinds of comments, you know? Yeah. Well, and I, I can tell because I, like the reason that I've worked for these places is doing design. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm wearing a designer hat instead of a photographer hat, all of a sudden you look at the collection so differently. Like 
that that like just needing inspiration element is so much more obvious when you're the one that like somebody requested this of me and I don't have any good ideas please like I really want to come across some in this in this feed or in these search results and that's really important um, that's really an important thing to consider because yeah um I think that you know at the same time like if you flip that around and look at it from the the technical photographer perspective um, mm. it's really easy to get caught up on the wrong things as well and and find the wrong inspiration like you um, right. you might be technically perfect right you might have like just the the monster skills in terms of like mm-hmm. lighting and um, you know just technical aspects of shooting um, but it really nothing none of that makes any difference if the subject doesn't speak to somebody about something right you know none of it matters and i think when you're yeah. looking at it from a design per- perspective you know you're not thinking about the photography and the and the technical aspects of of how it was made that is not important to you at all in fact you don't want to notice those things those you know what that it it's almost similar to how i think people look at photos of themselves as well like when when you look at a photo of yourself smiling uh, or when I do, I notice my crooked tooth or, <laughs> you know, my like, yeah, like how big and dorky my ears are when yeah. I have a big smile on. But my my mom, <laughs> uh, you know, sees like the emotion or like the people that the photo are for, which are not me, mm-hmm. they they don't see what, um, well, you know, what, what we are concerned about looking at our own photo. I think it's the same with photography that you have taken everybody else looking at it, they're not as concerned about the things that you're concerned about. Like it's, which is part of why it's really hard to predict what ends up being a successful stock photo. Yeah, totally. Because what you saw as being the most amazing thing is typically not what everybody else is looking at. I've never successfully predicted what would be a top seller. No, (laughs) no. You know, in fact, I'm usually wrong. Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly the opposite of what you you expect. Being a a senior editor for Stocksy, I mean, it it it's it's really kind of interesting because, like, no matter like what your your role is in in an industry like this, like when it comes down to your own work, you know, you're you're in the same exact position as everybody else is. Yeah, exactly, and and that's the difference: is your work. Mm -hmm. Like, all the blinders are on ourselves. It's so much easier to see. Like things are so much more obvious in other people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's yeah. that's why it's really important, um, you know, to me as an editor to be able to to speak uh, freely and honestly to the contributors that I work for, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, inform them the best I can in what I'm seeing in their photos. Um, yeah. you know, cause I get a lot of requests for, for, for that kind of feedback and, and, you know, I try to be as like, as open and honest and as thorough as I can, which is not an easy thing to do, but you know, like I need that too, you know? And I figured that like, if I'm not, if I'm not doing those things, then I'm not going to get them back either. So as an editor, where do you go to for, uh, your ruthless criticism when you need to need your photos slapped My down. boss. <laughs> I'll yeah. just leave it at that. <laughs> well, to, yeah. Um, you know, because, um, well, yeah, two, two, two other, two other stocks, editors is kind of the point. Yeah. Um, luckily, you know, I get to work with people who, um, for the most part, I don't think that they're afraid to tell me 
you know, the, the truth. Um, mm-hmm. Although I do think that um, on some level, I've probably had to demand them to do that. Um, yeah. Well, you know, that's so, um, that is so valuable mm-hmm. having people that are willing to insult you. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's really easy to, uh, hopefully none of my non-photographer friends are listening to this because there's this common thing that like when you're doing pretty well as, as a photographer, you know, like when you're professionally a photographer, all of your non-photographer friends look to you as like, you're, you know, you, you take great photos and you get a lot of compliments on each time you take a nice photo for other people. But like, to me, it means so much more when it's somebody that I know, is really harsh. Like they would be willing to tell me how bad a photo is. Yeah. I don't know if I would consider Um, it like a better thing or it's just, I think it's just more useful is what it is. Cause like I'm, you know, like, like you, I think that both of us are are pretty used to like putting a, a, you know, a particular type of photo up on our social media and getting, you know, Mm -hmm. a somewhat expected response. Um, right. Yeah. Give or and take. You know what? I also don't want to like not appreciate. It. Like I, t- I very much appreciate that that people say con- kind words about my photos that aren't photographers. Yeah, because we I, need it. We <laughs> need it just as much as anybody else does. I mean, we're yeah. we're creatives, and we we need people to like give us the feedback that that tells us that we're not a joke. You know. But yeah, there's no question right. that like there are a couple people in my immediate life that when they say wow, that's great. I go, Oh, thank God. You know, like I, I, I <laughs> yeah, did it, yeah, you know, yeah. like, of course. And, uh, you know, I think, yeah. well, and uh, it's yeah. important. It, I think it's important that, that anybody recognizes that, that we're all in the same boat, essentially, you know, no matter mm-hmm. what your, well, your and, status is like, we're all like striving to, to create things that, that please people. You know, yeah. Well, and I think like there, there's specific ways as well. Like we talked about before that with you and food photography, um, and me and style, it's like our significant others that are the voices of reason of like, um, you know, you may only be looking at the technical aspects, but uh, you're completely missing what's right in yeah, front of you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, have, having a sanity check of um, of somebody else that you're working with can be incredibly helpful. It's, it's so helpful. And it's so... Especially before you take the photo instead of <laughs> afterwards when you're asking for feedback. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a luxury, right? Yeah. Um, I think that the most but, um, important thing is to be able to take the feedback and actually use it, right. which is, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, know, knowing what to take out of the feedback, knowing how to make it, um, improve your work. Yeah. I mean, cause yeah. I think that, yeah, that, that can be its own challenge. All of us, you know, anybody that, that does creative work is, is likely been guilty of ignoring feedback because it didn't like fit our, you know, our comfort profile. You know, right. and um, it's it's a difficult oh, thing sure. to to like let go of your ego, and to take a an honest step back and say, okay, yeah, I see how I failed. You know, and yeah. and I don't think that there's really a way that you can move forward until you're able to allow yourself to do that. But isn't it funny though that balance of like sometimes the hardest thing is letting go of your ego, and sometimes the hardest thing is feeling good about your work, yeah, totally. <laughs> like depending on the moment. That's why, like people who like, I, I, I want to say that like left brain people, you know, are consistently confounded by right brain people because they're like, mm-hmm. there's just no pleasing you, you know, like right. where is your comfort zone? 
you know, and and the the truth is, it's like it's like standing on a canoe. <laughs> you know, it's like there is no comfort <laughs> yeah. zone. It's just a it's a balance. Yeah. It's a balancing act, and sometimes you're going to fall in the water. Yeah, well, and yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's ever a point where, um, you know, people that are driven to be creative and make, um, they just you can't help but make things because it's exciting to make mm-hmm. things. You, you just won't really ever be satisfied. Like it's it's part of the deal. Yeah, uh, like sorry, but you'll never take that one photo or write that one poem or. Um, you know, do the, do that final thing that makes it all come together and you'll be done and satisfied. Yeah. That's um, just not the word. That's not the way of art. Yeah. Sorry. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we'll be really sensitive about it on the way there. <laughs> I mean, you know, you might, you might be, you know, prompted to cut your ear off at some point. You never know. Maybe. Yeah. Exactly. Art's, art is hard. So, uh, well, I like that we ended up on the like art topic through stock photography, you know, like, cause I, I don't know if everybody understands how much stock photos can, can absolutely be art. Like there is such amazing work out there and stock photography is just a licensing. It's a licensing model, right? It's a way for people to acquire art. Um, it's a, a method of distribution. It's not it's, well, a category of photos. It's not just, it's not a type of photo. Well, it's not just a way for them to acquire it. It's a way for them to use it to, to right. project either their, their business or their, their message. You know, it's a really, it's a really powerful tool. And, and so, sure. but, but yeah, but I still, I, I, I mean, I do like the, idea I was trying to latch onto of that. It's not, it's not a genre. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, the, the, it's, um, it's every genre. Yeah, exactly. It it, it can be in everything that you want. Stock, stock photography is the art of everything. Oh yeah. That's a good one. Are we coming up with t-shirt slogans right now? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The art of everything. (laughs) Oh, that's great. That'd be yeah, that's the that'll be the first uh, cameras or whatever t shirt. I like it. <laughs> we just need a nice font. We better hire an artist. <laughs> I I think you know one. Yeah, I do. Oh yeah. How's your website coming? Uh well <laughs> we have uh, not found the time, believe it or not. No, but you have a logo. I thought you were waiting for the logo. We were. So we got the logo and then we realized that once we got the logo, we still didn't have time. Because you know, logo is easy. You 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 know, you hire somebody that's stupidly talented, and you step away for a little bit, and you give them some time, and then they throw some things at you, and you give them feedback, and tell them what you like and don't like about it, and then they you know narrow it down, and finally they come up with a couple options that you really love, and then you have to build everything up to match that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we're at right now, and you know, like our. Um, we're in, we're in a transitional stage and it's because, um, obviously I'm, you know, I'm always working, you know, there's never a time when I'm not working except for when I'm spending time with my family, which is frankly not Mm. quite enough. Um, so I'm, I'm constantly working. So it's not really a thing that, that, that I can focus on. So this really has to be my, my partner's thing to deal with. And that would be my wife, of course. And so, um, 
you know, she's going to be stopping working and focusing all of her efforts into making our business something better. Yeah. Awesome. And we couldn't be more excited or happier. It's pretty amazing. So, so when, uh, when can, when can we expect to, um, it's going to be a few more months, I think. (laughs) I mean, I just, you know, I don't want to wait. The, the thing about it is, is that like, I'm, I'm extraordinarily lucky because, um, mm-hmm. I have a, a, a nice job that, prov- that provides me a foundation for our lifestyle. Um, plus I sell a good amount of stock photography, which, um, helps that. And, um, then I also have a freelance business, which, you know, gives us basically, that's basically, gives us the opportunity to to invest into new gear and to uh invest grow yeah the and also to invest in retirement savings and stuff like that you know like yeah. that's it's pure profit and the, you know we've the where i've been most lucky is that without having a, a website for the past six months i've i've been able to maintain a really reasonable level of a freelance business based off of word of mouth alone and I, uh, you know, like I was, we were nervous at first. We thought like, well, this might be a few lean months while we sort this out. We thought, hey, maybe that's a good thing because then maybe we can like really get our, our act together and create something really beautiful with the website. And the thing is just that the word of mouth just has not slowed down yet. Uh, yeah, awesome. it's all, it's, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword, right? It's awesome, but it, it's, it's keeping us from, uh from moving on to that next thing, whatever right, that right. thing is. And, you know, who knows what that, course, what yeah. that will mean. Well, I, I actually, I think you came back around to one of my other notes of, um, that it, if you're doing stock photography, this does not have to be your only thing. And not only personally, but I'm the custom photo work and stock photo work will both always, always mm-hmm. exist. It doesn't matter how cheap cameras get. It doesn't matter if everybody is only shooting on their iPhone. Um, everything about the industry can change, and you're still going to need to hire people to do certain kinds of work. That's how the industry works. You you need your pr- product photographed, or you need this one specific person photographed, or your family photographed, or your restaurant photographed. And like These do not replace each no. other. Most of the things that custom photo jobs happen for um they're gonna keep happening it does it there's no way to take stock photos exactly that's that's Um, the bigger point is that there is no way to do it they're 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 completely different things and like frankly if you're a business and you're hiring a photographer to do something that is like widely available as a stock photo just you know, the kind of doesn't make sense, especially you know. Yeah, unless unless you're bigger, like there's there's definitely reasons for bigger companies to want exclusivity. Yeah, you know, like that you can't you you don't want your photo appearing in right. And then in- I, I heard this great anecdote about um, uh, one very large stock photographer is he was extremely successful, and uh, in medical magazines the same image was appearing with the model the same model playing a doctor in one of the ads and a patient in another one of the ads for different companies. <laughs> and I think that's a really perfect illustration of when you've hit the limitations of yeah, stock photography. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I would have loved to be flipping through that. I, I, I heard this story secondhand. I didn't see it myself. So. No, but I mean, it's, it, I mean, we probably, I probably know exactly who, which photographer you're talking about. 
Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Which is makes it even more entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> do you have anything else to say about stock photos? I mean, I know I have a lot to say, but we're it's been an hour. No, that went fast. So yeah, I mean, I think that um, stock photography. You know, I just want to go back to you know what you said about like making it more than just you know it can be a like a a, a revenue stream into a greater river of you know I don't think that that many people can or should go into stock photography expecting it to be the only thing you do. Um, I, th- I think that mm-hmm. that could get like really tedious and I, could, I think I could see it being frustrating and you know, you're relying on all these market shifts that you have no control over. And yeah, that can be a, d- a downside. I mean, se- seasonality, mm-hmm. like you definitely see really interesting shapes in your sales graph over the course oh, of a year. Totally, Yeah. And I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just going to use myself as an example. Like I personally don't really care for, uh, creating holiday images be them you know like christmas valentine's not like i i've yeah i find them really hard they're really hard to do well i mean i think if you don't love it it's just a big challenge it goes right back to my Um, my point of like if this isn't a subject that you're genuinely interested in you're probably not going to represent it in a way that that people are going to appreciate so like the way that i try to look at it is that photography is a portion of my business and I try to, you know, like focus on creating concepts that make sense to me and that I understand like how to create them in a way that, that can be sellable. And sometimes that's, you know, that's a, uh, it can be a tall ladder to climb because there's a lot of um, ins and outs to, to what makes a photography sellable, you know, and there's a lot to learn in that. Um, but I think that, that what I, my assumption as a, photographer, a full-time photographer who also does stock, is that people who go into stock thinking that they're going to make a living just doing stock usually end up getting quite jaded and frustrated. And they also, mm-hmm. you know, and this is the sad part to me as, as a creative person, is that I hate it. I hate watching people like sell out. I hate watching them like completely change who they are and then ruin a great thing that is there a passion in their life? Ruin it, right? Well, even if it's even if it's not like ruining their photos, but ruining the yeah, way that's they what feel I mean. It's the experience. It. If you're if you're ruining uh, yeah, the yeah. experience yeah. for yourself, and then you're taking this thing that's that's you know a passion and it's really precious to you, and and you're you're trying to turn it into like a business, and then you know like what is that? What is that old adage about? You know like you know if you really love doing something, don't make it your work or something. I don't know. Uh, if you love something, set it free. Uh, <laughs> no, that's not exactly. I, I just, I, you know, I, I think that, that it's <laughs> fool me once <laughs> heard that one a few times. Uh, you know, I think that the, the opportunity is, is it's a wonderful thing, you know, especially when you're involved with an organization like we are with Stocksy, where, you know, we have mm-hmm. a little bit more involvement in what is going on and, um, there's just a, a different sense of what that community means, and you feel like you're being um, fairly compensated for your time and your work. And uh, you know, Stocksy tries hard to to give honest feedback to help people grow their careers, and it's just a unique opportunity. So, mm-hmm. 
Well, and we don't spend much time, um, you know, pitching Stocksy on this show because it's not right. what this is about. But it is a pretty great place to be. <laughs> I got to say, you know, like it's it's a really nice experience. Yeah, selling it's there. it's it's very unique, you know. And I mean, it's still a, it's still a really young place. So I think that um, it's easy for people to kind of idealize it as being like like a way out. You know, like you get into Stocksy and everything else is going to take care of itself. You know, it's not the case. You know, it's it, it, like everything. Yeah. I mean, you still have to work your ass off to to make things work. But uh, for sure, we've not worked it well. Okay, we've worked our ass off this year, but we have very few new photos to show for it on Stocksy. So. Well, yeah, and you know, uh, oh, I <laughs> yeah, that's well. And then you know, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why that might be the case. For me personally, like right now, it's winter. It's one of the most ugly winters that I've experienced in my life. And yeah, but you're still uploading. You're uploading. I still, up- uh, aren't you soft? Yeah. So- like the last month has been the probably, well, I, I should say the last 45 days have been the softest uploading period for me in a year. Yeah. Well, 45 days, try like, <laughs> try the last. Yeah, year I know. I us. edit your photos. <laughs> it's we been a soft year from you in yeah. some time. <laughs> yeah. You're fired. They're, they're <laughs> there. They're just not online. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, on that note, uh, did you get anything new um, this week? I did. I got something new today. I, oh, I what's, the, what uh, is it? Tell iPhone me, 6 Plus, which I uh, did not expect to be getting. I expected to get a 6. <laughs> this was... And oh. Yeah, you were you were asking me this yesterday. No, it was actually earlier today. What, what, I, what <laughs> yeah. I think. Oh, okay. But, uh, and I was saying that, because uh, I have the 6... And what made you? Yeah, what well, made see, you I, I, I was there. I just did not think that a that a six plus was was necessary. I looked at it on Saturday, and I was just like, I put it in my pocket, and I went, "Oh, it fits in my pocket," but I'm not quite sure. I like the feel of it in my hand. And um, you mm-hmm. know, I went today, and I was kind of playing around with it a little bit more. And the sales guy, who you know, by the way, people at the Apple Store, salespeople at the Apple Store. Are they're they're not salesmen or women. They're they're not salespersons. They're they're customer service agents, you know. So they don't they don't make a commission. So they have absolutely yeah. zero incentive to upsell you on anything, you know. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. In there. and you know, I kind of wish that they did get a commission, just because you know there there's a, a a different sense of honesty. I feel like dealing with them than you get from like you know say like a car salesman. <laughs> who's making a commission or a real estate agent for that matter. So, um, you know, like I was really appreciating the perspective, but the guy, he goes, you know, honestly, my favorite thing about the six plus is he flips it over and, and he shows me how it works in landscape mode. And I was like, Oh, sold. Mm. <laughs> slap the money on the counter, I mean, uh, you know, and also being able to, to, to make everything a little bit bigger, you know, like my eyes are not as good as they used to be. So, it's it's kind of awesome, and then you know I started really quickly. My mind is going around this this idea, and I'm like, well, it's a hundred extra bucks, and you know, I mean, hundred bucks isn't anything to sneeze at, but at the same time, you know, like if if you're the kind of person that's even considering getting a tablet, you know, and you need an iPhone at the same or a smartphone at the same time, like why not just get the two together? Why not yeah, get a that's what it is, and like I, I mean, I do I too. But and to be honest with you, like I'm looking at this thing, and uh, you know, it's 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 the size of of like a Wonka bar. You know, the thing is like is huge. Yeah, it's, it's a monster. 
Yeah, I I had talked myself into it. I thought I was going to be getting a plus, and I kept almost dropping yeah. it in the store. <laughs> Just holding on to it is kind all, of tricky. It, um, if you do it the same way as right, as and when it's new, it's all slippery. You know, you, you haven't oiled yeah. it up properly yet, so it's all slippery, and you're like, um, right. I'm gonna totally. I did. Did you get a case? I did. I got a clear, a cleared hard, a clear hard case um, because I got the gold. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, you got to show I'm, it I'm actually. I think it's pretty, pretty cool. I'm into the gold, which is the nice. first. And what do you think of the? What do you think the camera on it? You had a what did you I have? Four, four S. Yes, <laughs> Holy yes. God! I don't know yet. Wow! I haven't had the yeah. opportunity. I'm really, yeah, I'm really excited. You know, because I the you know up to this to this point, the the iPhone has been a you know like a functional camera for me um in that mm-hmm. it allows me to capture moments that i would otherwise miss and that makes me feel good but not mm-hmm. not not really a tool right and now i yeah. think that you know like i i've edited enough photos that have come from from the five and the six yeah other people that i know that like that mm-hmm. this thing is is more than capable of of doing a job when something else isn't available so, um, yeah, yeah. That, that's an exciting thing. And the other part of this it that's is. exciting is that it has the, uh, the image stabilization in the, in the plus where there's, there's nothing. Yeah. I was going to ask yeah, about that. I don't that. really know. Yeah. Cause, well, I think you kind of need to compare to the six because I was shocked how good the digital stabilization is in the six, which, you know, now that I'm saying that out loud, I don't know if it does anything for stills, but when you record video, it does the most brilliant job of digitally stabilizing your footage afterwards. It's yeah, much more than what a computer would do. It's using the, uh, you know, gyroscopic measurements or, or something. It's using your, your motion to effectively cancel out that motion afterwards. So it's much smarter than a normal computer would be. So even without the optical stabilization, it was much, much better for video. So I imagine the six plus video probably looks really great. Um, I'm actually jealous of it once I'm recording anything with a, a real video camera because it doesn't. I, I'd love to be able right. to stabilize Wouldn't everything. That'd be nice. Like that, I think that one of the most interesting yeah. things, um, honestly, and I, I'm really anxious to see, you know, how this performs in, in, in reality rather than just thinking about it, is the uh, the size. This is the biggest viewfinder I've ever seen. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> because it's the oh, whole yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah. This thing's massive. So it's like there's, you know, even compared to a DSLR, you you know, if you're shooting in live mode, you're still not seeing it like you're seeing this. I mean, I guess if you were shooting photos with an with an iPad, but I mean, who does that? Well, yeah, and well, unfortunately, more people yeah. than you'd think, but not usually, yeah, not usually um I don't know, professionals, I guess. The the cameras on the iPads They're also not. weren't as nice. So, yeah. But I, I like that experience, like just taking a photo on an iPad. Uh, the photos don't turn out very well, but the experience is really neat. And it's probably what you're describing of like this huge viewfinder. Yeah, it's like life-size uh, <laughs> um, back to it. It's yeah, I'm also really cool. excited about having an 8-megapixel mobile camera phone, you know, like or whatever picture. Because yeah, it looks so good. Like the, the, 
up close. Uh, well, I guess you've seen it. I don't need to like tell you, but um, yeah, they really like, do look great. Well, I mean, considering where it's coming from, it's it's just it is a uh, modern marvel, if you will. So yeah, yeah. that's that's my new thing. Nope. Do you have anything else? else? Cool. Um, I don't know if I have anything. <laughs> I was just looking around. I what? Well, can you yes, can you hear I me clicking this clicking whole time? I uh I I edited. I've been editing a whole photo mm-hmm. shoot while we sit here recording because I don't have and much time. And you have in life. a rather advanced case of ADHD. Yeah, I mean, well, I that's, that's, just that's bored. what it is. That's what ADHD. <laughs> ADHD has the ability to do a bunch of things at the same time effectively. Oh, I never, I never heard it have such a positive spin, but who knows how effective I really was. Maybe I was speaking nonsense all this episode and maybe these <laughs> photos look like garbage. I, who knows anymore, um, but it was good. I got a little more, uh, a little more stuff done. Maybe next time I'll redesign your website. Oh, see, work. that's what I should do is I should just, I should Recording. just hire you. You can, here's what we can do. You can send me all of your film to scan. Uh, of course. Oh well, hey, this sounds like an awesome. Why yeah, are, you can design my website earlier? and I'll, I'll scan oh. all your film. Yeah, I got all my film back, by the way. Well, pretty good. They um, right. So I send it to Caribou Lab in Toronto, and I recommend them. They're great. They did some interesting things, though. They were adjusting a lot of the portrait, actually a lot of it for the trying to get the shadows to be the right exposure, leaving a lot of the highlights blown out. So I'm going to ask for a few rescans, but it really yeah, costs so much money. Um, yeah, I'm going to, I, I already told you, but I'm going to be slowing down on my film. I love it. I really, really like film, but I think it's, it's just going to become, um, you know, a point and shoot thing that I just do a couple rolls a year. It's, I wasn't able to get in on the pack on scanner when the price was reasonable. And, um, yeah, I, I think the only, the only way I'm going to feel okay about it is by not paying for quite as much. Yeah, film I get that. I, I think that that even seems reasonable. I think that that was the, the decision I made with medium format as well is that like, I totally, I want to shoot medium format exclusively to be honest with you. Um, but I just, it's yeah. not something that's really uh, available in terms of like finance. Like it's just, it's so expensive. Um, yeah. I don't trust myself to, to do home processing. Um, so that's not something. Mm-hmm. And then also just scanning it is an issue. <laughs> scanning medium format is an issue. And yeah. so I'm not oh, going to be able to, to do that anytime soon. But you know what? Like I, I still, I have this, this feeling Probably it's because of the, the groups that I'm, you know, subscribed to and like social media. But like, there are so many people out there that are like really anxious about making their own scanners, you know. And mm, yeah, you you mentioned this. I haven't read about it, but you mentioned it. And it sounds yeah, it's so exciting. cool. I love that. Yeah. Like Kickstarter, totally like Kickstarter stuff. stuff. And there's yeah. you know, and there and there are people who are just grouping together with you know a common goal and putting together like all of their information and it's really kind of fascinating because like some of these people have been able to contact people at Kodak and other, you know, now defunct places that were, that were creating scanners and get information, you know? And so, 
you know yeah uh, it is and i think that there's something down the road i mean it's like other side it's like other sides of the impossible project like different um you know different tracks of that same uh idea um coming up in different places and that same motivation it's so cool because it's it's great to see that like people have an appreciation for an analog system and figure out how to make that still make sense in the <sighs> digital world. I hope I it, think it will. keeps making sense. Yeah. I wanted to. You know, I actually, there was one last thing that, that I wanted to mention that was all related. And it's really kind of funny is that uh, so uh, about two weeks ago, maybe three, I can't remember, two or three weeks ago, I picked up a another Yashica Mat 124G um, off of Craigslist. And mm-hmm. the guy had told me, like, oh, this thing's in excellent condition. And he quoted me, you know, 180 on it. And uh, so I drove mm-hmm. an hour, 10 minutes to go pick this thing up. And, you know, I get there and, like, first thing I do is I, I turn the the, um, the dial to, to, to try out the focus. And, and um, the, the dial just keeps spinning and nothing happens. And so I'm like, this thing's broken. And he was like, "Oh man, it, I swear, I I swear it worked. Like, yeah, like it worked <laughs> just like right before you got here." And I'm looking at the thing; and it's filthy, and there's dust all in it, and everything. And I'm like, "Man, I drove out. I drove an hour to get you know." And I was just like, "I, I you know, I'm looking at this guy, and, and you know, I feel kind of bad. I feel like he's seems like he's down on his luck or something. You know, I don't know. And uh, you know, so I said, "Tell you what, man, like, I'll give you a hundred bucks for it." And he was like, that sounds fair, you know? And so, you know, and I realized like, you know, I'm kind of screwing myself because this is like, this thing sucks. Anyway, I, you know, I, I really love this camera. I love these cameras, I should say. So no. does it work at all? I mean, no. does, does it work? Well, does it I mean, take, the, does it take photos? Works, Nothing. But you can't focus it. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Does that work? <laughs> so anyway, um, fast forward, like, uh, you know, like I have been borrowing a, another Yashica mat from a friend and, you know, I accidentally broke the shutter. It's apparently it's really easy to do this. You can break the shutter on that camera fairly easy by using the, uh, the self timer incorrectly. And it's like one of these things where it's just like you don't even know how it happens, but it's it's kind of an infamous thing. And, um, and it happens a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, luckily you can do a, a Google search and you can come up with a guy's name that, that is the answer to all your problems. And his name is Mark Hama and he is, um, located okay. in, I believe Marietta, Georgia. And you should, um, I'll give you his uh, email address for the show notes. But this guy is, uh, he's a magician. He is a Yashikam repairman. <laughs> and he used to work in the original factory in Japan. And uh, apparently he moved to the United States like wow. quite a while ago. I'm not exactly sure his entire story, but he moved to the United States quite a while ago. And he was a uh, an official Yashica technician or repair person. And then when uh, Yashica stopped making these cameras, they actually sent him all of their spare parts. And so this guy has like all of the parts. To, to to rebuild these cameras. Wow. And so, um, and here's where like the point of this whole story is is coming to an head. So it was, you know, like probably eight or nine days ago, I went to the post office and I shipped this Yashica to, to, to Mark. And at the same time, I, I um, put a roll of film in the mail and sent it to the find lab. 
<laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess um, going. my my camera will be here tomorrow. But will my film be ready by tomorrow? So just just a kind of interesting little takeaway <laughs> I... that you can actually have a broken Yashica Mac camera fixed quicker than you can have your your film scanned or developed and, and yeah, oh, it's I'm ridiculous. Sorry. But you know, it's pro- it's it's really about the success. Like that's the, the fine it's line. It's not just them. Is busy. It's uh, all Caribou Labs yeah. is busy. They're backed up. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing. They're Isn't all doing really well. Because like which I is think that great. Like, you know, when I look yeah. at local labs, they've got nothing on these on these internet labs. Like yeah. it's the the, yeah. the branding and marketing is there needs to be a word for that. Phenomenal. Is there, is there a word for the new internet no, lab thing? Yet. There needs to be one. What can we call it? Because new new labs. Nouveau lab lab nouveau <laughs> movement Inter, interlabs. I don't know. Yeah, because like yeah, basically. And I've tried to, I've tried to say it to people. It's like you, when you're when you're getting your film developed, you have to do like a new school. Yeah, you do film. You place. have to because otherwise you're going to pay a lot more for crappy results, and you might get lucky, but is it really worth it? Yeah, no, you and you probably won't get lucky to be honest. I mean, and other good places like there's well recommended places in in Canada in Vancouver, and um, they they're just not getting with the program. Like they're still yeah. charging per, per per scan. You know, like here it's eight dollars to develop the role or whatever, five dollars even, and then we want you to pay five dollars yeah. per scan yeah. per image, like. No, please just feed the roll through and deal with it as you would prints. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know how these machines work. You don't. There's no logic behind charging unless per frame you're and doing drone your, scanning. Yeah, right. Unless you're doing or um, you know maybe old negatives that each one needs some special treatment or they're cut. Mm-hmm. When they're cut, it takes a bit longer. But um, the, the it's really simple for them to do this workflow if they realize that it's important. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I think it's amazing how many labs well, aren't getting I, with on some program. level. I'm, you know, I, I'm kind of grateful that they're not because I, I kind of want them to, to just get out of it and and give up their gear to people who give a shit. Frankly, you know, because like, yeah. why waste? <laughs> yeah, why waste all this like, like amazing technology that's like entirely antiquated but still, you know, performs something at the at the level that you expect it to. And that hasn't been bettered, Frank. You know, yet. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like right. the thing yeah. about it is that, like, you can go on B and H and buy, you know, like, one of these Hasselblad, you know, drum scanners or whatever, and they cost like twenty two thousand dollars or something. And you know, it'll take you all day to scan your film. And you know, like, that's not what I want. God damn it! I want something that is a reasonable cost. You know, that can develop good results and do it in, in a reasonable amount of time. And, you know, I know that that exists because I own a pack on. So you can't tell me that that is mm-hmm. not, yeah, you can't tell me that yeah, that's not an there. achievable result. Like it, it's achievable and it just, it's a matter of yeah. like enough people having enough interest in, in actually trying to make it happen. So, mm-hmm. 
And well, and having the perseverance to continue paying high prices long enough yeah. for the industry. Well, and, and luckily, you know, there are people out there that, that, um, that shoot film well enough to, to, you know, to show the rest of us that, that it is something worth being, you know, in, intrigued by at the very least. Mm-hmm. To show us the way. Hey, do yeah. you watch, uh, do you watch Walking Dead? No. Do you know it was shot on film? I didn't know Is that. shot on film? Makes sense, actually. Yeah, the color, it's funny because I've always thought yeah. that the color was really nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, I looked it up. I was like, you know, why does the show look so good? Like what camera are they use? What kind of red camera? Uh, is this an Alexa? Are they, and are they, they managing no, special effects? On it's that? all shot on. Yeah. Uh, yeah Google it. There's um, a good interview um, behind the lens interview with the uh, man. That's cool. Cinematographer on, uh, on the internet. If you Google it. And yeah, they shoot uh, tons and tons of film. I think it was like sixteen millimeter. Well, didn't Kodak recently say that they were um, they were not going to give up on cinematic film? Yeah, there's some deal, and I shouldn't try to speak to the details, but there's a deal with the um, with the studios to continue making it, and I assume that means that there was some injection of money as well from the studios, like it's like they maybe pre-bought a certain amount or mm-hmm. committed to a certain amount of films that will be shot on film, things like that. But it's, I mean, that really, that the, the filmmaking industry is keeping Kodak alive. It would, Kodak would not exist if movies were not being con- made on film right now. Yeah, that so is that is, really that's exciting goes. because Tyler, I know that you're frustrated. I do, but, but let me, let me tell you something. Let I me am. remind you of something that like, you will never get the the same sensation from the smell of a roll of film that you'll get in a memory card. You just won't. Yep, I know it. And there's definitely, there's more emotion attached to waiting for the photos Mm -hmm. that may or may not have turned out and excitement and like it's, it feels really different. I mean, I do, I really enjoy it, but there's other things I can, I don't know. I have a lot on my plate. I uh, I can keep myself distracted yeah, I don't, while I solve I don't, film problems, like by uh, by by yeah, editing. Totally. Photos and I've said it before, and, and I continue to say it because it's true. Is that um, it's it all comes down to preference in a business decision. Like for me, you know, shooting film is is what I do to keep myself um, actively invested in in photography and interested in photography. Um, shooting digital is is. Like I recognize that the advantages and sometimes it does look quite a lot better for certain things. Um, but it's totally a business decision. Like when I, when I have clients that, that need the photos done and they need them now and they need to know that they're correct. And that, and you know, digital is the, mm-hmm. the only way to go for me in that regard. Cause like I am yeah. expected to deliver yeah. a specific product. And, you know, for me, shooting film is more about the excitement and the mystery and not necessarily, you know, mm-hmm. the result. Cause you know, with film, honestly, like half the time I'm like, man, that didn't turn out as nice as I expected it to. But the other half of the time I'm like, <laughs> yeah. wow, like that was not going to happen with a digital image. It just wasn't. Exactly. Well, yeah, it's a roller coaster. And like looking <laughs> at these ones that I just got back, they, um, I mean, a lot of them aren't in focus, but the nice ones you are really always nice, have this so. issue. What is going on with that? I feel mixed. I do with every, ca- with this was with multiple cameras too. Well, with two, with the contacts and the other one, I just can't focus. 
Maybe, maybe it it's is. my ADHD. Maybe you're like thinking about other things when you should be focusing. <laughs> yeah, maybe, I, I don't know. Do you show it on an aperture priority? Uh, sometimes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I can focus better with, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to try to figure this out right now. <laughs> this is a bigger discussion. Yeah. We're you know, out of time. It's, um, as a, JJRD used to say, or has said to me on several occasions, like he doesn't understand how I achieved such sharp focus all of the time. And my reply was, hmm. yeah. And my, my reply to, to that was, me. well, I didn't know that I was doing anything different. So I'm well, so probably not. Teach me anything. But if you can, if you can. <laughs> oh, I uh, listened to like Father it? John Misty. Uh, great. I listened to like five yeah. times in a row as soon as they started Isn't, playing. I didn't stop love for a his while. foul mouth. I love it. I yeah, do. you know, it's really funny. I don't know. Um, Maybe I'm a jerk, but I just. And I also went back to the the first album a few times, and it's still great. Are yeah. you a Fleet Foxes fan? I like it. Yeah, but I kind of got I got bored of yeah, them sooner than him. There's um. The, I don't know what it is. Like it's not. They're not bad. Uh, it's I just, just felt like it was like uh, a, it felt like a very common flavor for for that like time period. Yeah, you know, there was other right. bands that that came before them yeah. that were doing similar things. Like you know, I felt like when I heard them, I was just like, yeah, okay. You know, like didn't like my morning jacket or somebody do something like this? You know, um, and I, I might not mm-hmm. even be talking about the right comparison but like i felt like there was just a lot of other bands that sounded <laughs> just like them but they were doing it a little bit better but there was still something about it well uh and then th- and then like okay. mumford and sons became no. enormous which is not the same but like you know <laughs> but there's there there's a sound that has become very pervasive and at first glance you might hear that in father john oh, there's way more there um, and if you want to see there. cameron get agitated just mention uh that Mumford and Sons thing. That'll just you know, <laughs> them and Jack Johnson and stuff like that. That'll make me crazy. Oops. Yeah. Time to go. Well, on that <laughs> note. All right. Bye. See you next week. <laughs>